everybody welcome back to another episode of on tilt the state of black mental health and policing in america i'm julius boatwright and uh, we usually have miss danielle brown here uh we are co-hosting she may be calling in today um but if not we will still have a phenomenal conversation again it's it is mental health awareness month in may so we've just been bringing on some phenomenal Black mental health professionals to talk with us about managing our mental health, um, all of the, the the racial reckoning s- situations that we've been having, um, and how we can just find balance uh, as Black folks, not only in, in Pittsburgh and throughout our area, but wherever you tune in from. Uh, we do want to want to make sure that you have some sort of of balance and uh, get some mental wellness and mental health tips in your life. So. Um, like we usually do before we get started, we want to take a, a quick moment and acknowledge the folks who are no longer with us and do a moment of silence. So please join us. All right, everybody. So I am really excited about today's episode. Um, I'm excited about all, all of our episodes, but today uh, we have a, a just a, a fantastic mental health professional, social worker, entrepreneur, author. Um, she really does a, a little bit of everything, but at the same time, uh, one of her main areas of expertise is helping folks, helping uh, healers and helping professionals really figure out strategies and tools and techniques on ways that they can prevent burnout and compassion fatigue. So in this work that we do, uh, again, whether it's in the, in the mental health space, if we're advocates, activists, particularly as black and brown folks, it's, it's heavy work and it brings a lot with it uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and it can, the load can become heavy. So we have a very, very special guest with us today. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, learn a thing or two in honor of Mental Health Month. So can we please welcome Sharice Nance to the show? Thank you, Julius. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I had to check and make sure I, I wasn't on mute. I know that's like the been the statement of the year. You're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good. Thank you for okay. joining us, Sharice. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm always so excited to talk with you because you like just bring this sense of like calm in every conversation you step into, whether it's virtually or in person. So I, I appreciate your presence. Um, so for people who don't know who you are and, and what you do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Again, I am Sharice Nance and I am a a Pittsburgh native. I am the co-owner and founder of Hand in Hand Counseling Services. It's run by 
my uh, good friend, Tess Kenny and business partner. We've been around. We'll be celebrating eight years in November. So we're excited about that. That is a, a big deal for anybody who's in business, especially small um, black women, business owners during these tough times. We have a group practice. We expanded from a very small office space in East Liberty and we grew into a full uh, group practice where we have um, several uh, clinicians and we run individual therapy where we focus on depression, anxiety, complex trauma to the day-to-day stuff, you know, like the work-life balance and the daily stressors that probably everyone is struggling with right now. And I also run an organization. It's called Vitamin C Healing. No, I am not selling vitamins. That's one of the first things that I get asked, but it is metaphoric for healing of the whole person, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, mentally. And it's evolved to focus on those helping and healthcare professionals and also entrepreneurs who are struggling with self-care, work-life balance and integration, compassion, fatigue, and burnout. And we do that through our workshops. Um, All of them are virtual right now. And we also do that through our books and our upcoming online courses. And I do still find time for rest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, rest is important. So it is. as we, we were sharing with the folks before the show and doing our, our marketing and talking about what we were going to be exploring today, um, you are a very passionate about compassion fatigue and burnout. And it's, it's an area of specialty of yours. I've participated in some of your workshops and uh, trainings on that topic. They've been super beneficial for me. So uh, one thing I think it's important to do for folks is to just talk a little bit about compassion fatigue and burnout and, and give us a, a, a better idea of what that exactly, what those terms mean. Definitely. Well, first I want to, you know, share, I think it's, it's important to connect the story to it. Like why I'm so passionate about this topic, because I struggled with it. Uh, I think many people who are in this realm, whether you're a social worker, mental health therapist, case manager, if you're an activist, a nurse, a doctor, anyone who is providing care to people who have experienced pain, suffering, and trauma, you are prone to it. You are at risk for compassion fatigue. I refer to it as the common cold because we are prone to it. doesn't necessarily mean we're going to catch it, but we are at risk just because of the line of work we're in. And I I know that I struggled with it several times in college. I just did not know what it was. Um, And I remember attending a conference on trauma because in in this profession, we got to get continuing education credits uh, just to make sure we can continue to practice. And they started talking about this concept of compassion fatigue. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's something that I'm struggling with. Um, Experienced it several times throughout my career. And I think it came to a head at my last job before I I left and decided to do the practice uh, full time. And I remember being ready to, you know, write my second book, just felt this sense of urgency to to get this out. And um, I remember my husband saying, like, what if you talked about what you're struggling with? I'm sure a lot of your colleagues are struggling with that. What's that called? It has to be called something. And I'm like, it's called compassion fatigue. And I, I couldn't believe that there wasn't more attention being brought to uh, this this concept. So I, I started doing more research on it. 
Um, I got trained in it. I got certified in it. And then I decided to, um, you know, take it to my colleagues and connecting with organizations to make sure that my colleagues had an understanding to make sure that they were, um, excuse me, that they were um, giving this uh, area attention the same way we do um, other trainings. And, you know, because at the end of the day, if if we are experiencing compassion satisfaction, which which is on the other side, other side of that, everybody wins. The helping professional wins. The organization, most importantly, you know, stronger. We're building stronger communities if we don't have you know exhausted and fatigued workers out here working with people. Um, so that was the the reason why I, I I got started with with doing compassion fatigue workshops. And there is a difference between compassion fatigue and burnout. Not a big difference. They're in the same family. The major difference is that compassion fatigue is is connected to being exhausted from just just empathizing and working with people who have experienced pain, suffering, loss, and trauma. So it's more about that relationship and just feeling empty, like you have nothing else to, to give. And then along with that comes the guilt for feeling that way. And sometimes we experience those intense emotions like apathy and cynicism if we let it fester too long. And then we have burnout and burnout can anyone can experience burnout. You know, someone entrepreneur, the chief executive who's working 70, 80 hours per week. So burnout is is more about um, I connect burnout with like organization and, and system. So people who are exhausted from working. So it's not necessarily connected to uh, your relationship with someone, but it's more about like the work stress, the labor and you know, the, I think the symptoms and the signs are very, very similar. And what I also find interesting is that burnout is a medical condition. It's classified as a medical condition by the World Health Organization. So I have signed off on Family Medical Leave Act paperwork for people who are burned out from work. But if you're a helping professional and you are experiencing compassion fatigue, there's nothing for that yet. You know, hopefully it'll maybe it'll it'll make its way into our diagnostic statistics manual. But as of right now, um, nothing. Mm. So, Sharice, do you see any uh, differences or similarities with the way in which like a, a social justice activist or an advocate experiences compassion fatigue and, and potentially burnout versus uh like you mentioned, a doctor or uh, a healthcare professional, like are there similarities and differences that you see? I think there are a lot of similarities, but I think what what comes what what, what kind of comes to to mind for me when thinking about what the what the difference or maybe the experience would be is when we're thinking about social activists. You know, they're they're doing this because well, both both in both positions, you're obviously doing it because you want to. But with social activists, you know, they're out here boots on ground. They're putting their lives in danger. You know, we're, we're talking about leading protests and, you know, it's, you know, a lot of, you know, black and brown people who are leading this charge that are they're making themselves targets. So now we're talking about a whole nother level. We're talking about safety. Um, now with helping in healthcare professionals, just because of the work we're doing, um, oftentimes we're, we're celebrated, you know, because we're, we're helping. So we are not seen as targets. So we are, there's there's never really that, um, I guess, same fear of our, our lives being in danger or, or people coming for us. 
So I think that's where the major difference is, is, you know, if there is a concern about um, about safety, you know, with the with the helping a healthcare professional. I know for me, it's when I'm working with someone, sometimes you're thinking like, wow, did I did I do enough in that session? Did I miss something or are they really going to do it? Are they going to take them or are they going to take their life or are they going to take someone else's life? So there's that worry. And, you know, when you're thinking about the social activists who who's out there and, and, and helping people and and doing those type of things, um, you, you got law enforcement. You know, you're you're like on bulletin boards for, you know, law enforcement people. So you're targeted. So, you know, your home might not be a safe place. But with the helping professional, if we are practicing that, you know, that good self-care and we're, we're setting our, our lives up that way, then we're being intentional about trying to make our homes a safe place. But if you're a target, your home might not be a safe place. Where is a safe place for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to dig a little bit deeper into that, Sharice, because it makes me think of um, just sticking with the the activists and the advocates and the constant uh, impacts of the the compassion fatigue and potentially leading to burnout. So as a as an advocate and an activist um, doing doing this work because I'm passionate about it and I may be advocating for a cause that. You know, uh, I may be going against law enforcement. I may be, um, um, you know, just in a space where it's creating a a lot more anxiety and tension Mm -hmm. for me. So uh, and at the same time, I'm I'm constantly empathizing with people. I'm trying to support people. I'm, I'm it feels like I'm just pouring and pouring and pouring. And then when I have an opportunity to maybe relax and fill my cup up it doesn't completely feel like I can relax or fill my cup up because I'm still worried and concerned about, um, am am I going to be a target? Am I safe? Um, did I actually do enough? So with, with that, as a, as a mental health professional, how do you help people walk through all those layers to, to even get to some form of, of healing or self-care with all those like layers piled on top? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are a lot of layers there. And there there were a lot of things going through my mind as I was, you know, just listening to you talking. I think um, one of the first things that comes to my mind are values. Um, whenever mm-hmm. you're doing that level of um, heart work, um, you got to know what your core values are. You know, what are your top three to five values? And, you know, is what you're doing connected to those values? Because I cannot imagine and I'm eternally grateful for every activist who is who has been out there, you know, from our ancestors to, you know, people in the present who have, you know, risked their lives and made just enormous sacrifices um, just to so that you and I can have platforms like this. Um, so, you know, just just understanding um, what are my values and, you know, just just each day having to be intentional um, about why am I doing this? Is this connected to my values? And those are hard questions that only, you know, that person can answer because when it gets tough and, you know, when you are feeling like you're on empty and when you are feeling like maybe it's thankless and, you know, you're this target, you're going to need to lean on something to possibly keep you going. And even if you decide that it can't keep you going, just being okay with that. And I know that's hard because maybe you're feeling like you let people down. However, um, 
Are you letting yourself down? You know, so we have to start there too. the whole concept of putting your own oxygen mask on first. And what does that look like? It, it looks like starting with, you know, really being able to identify um, your core values and then knowing what, where your boundaries are. Um, I, I know some of the activists that, that I know personally, I mean, they just have the biggest hearts. They are there for everyone. And it's, and I'm just wondering like where it begins and where it ends, you know, and that's, that's talking about boundaries, you know, what are you willing and able to do? And what are you just not willing and able to do and, and being okay with, with saying no. And, and sometimes you just have to tolerate the, um, the responses that, that come along with you, you know, saying yes to you and saying no to those things. Um, so values, boundaries and um, and self-compassion, you know, making sure that you're pouring into yourself the same way that you are pouring into everybody else, the same way you're pouring into those communities, because we are like almost like this water bottle, you know, how this water bottle, it was full. Now it's all the way down here. And if I just keep drinking, now it's empty. How can you serve that way? So what are you doing intentionally to make sure that you are keeping that water bottle full? Because we know there are a lot of withdrawals. There's a lot of pouring going out of that water. You know, do you have a day where you are just like disconnected from it, where you're not taking any phone calls, you're going offline? It can't only be you, you know, like, is, are there a, a team of people that um, you can you know, defer to if, if people have questions, if somebody needs help, if there's something going on and there, there has to be something that be led, it can't only be you. Um, you just can't be all things to all people. And it, and I think this is this is a lot harder, especially in a region like Pittsburgh, as you know, we were talking, I think I was talking to John earlier, there's only 22% black people. So if there's only 22% black people, how many activists are there in this area? So if you're saying no, it's like, well, dang, who's going to who's going to help my people? But how good are you to your people if you're exhausted and burned out? Because when you're exhausted and burned out, you know, now we're talking about what's going on with you, you know, biology, biologically and neurologically, you know, you're affecting that nervous system. You're going to have a nervous breakdown. Mm. Well, and Sharice, as you're talking, I'm, I was thinking about my own journey with compassion fatigue um and i don't i would love to learn more about like how exactly do you know when you're burnt out or if you're moving in that direction of burnout but i do want to i want to hold that for a little bit later in the conversation but i was thinking about like for me it is extremely difficult for me to say to say no and to draw those boundaries and to stick to them because um a lot of my own personal identity is wrapped up in, in, in the work that I do. Right. And it's I, I think that may be the case for a lot of folks. It's like and, and let me kind of stretch that out a little bit more. It's like I have this traumatic incident that happened in my life or these set of, of, of traumatic experiences. Um, they inspired me or, or brought about pain in a way that made me realize like, I don't want to feel that kind of pain anymore. And I want to do whatever I can so that other people don't have to experience that pain. So now, you know, you take up that charge of like, I'm going to be the one or at least part of part of the solution to try to make sure people don't feel that kind of pain or their circumstances are better with regard to whatever it is, housing, mental health, uh, voting rights, um, environmental justice, all these different issues. 
And then, um, again, my, my value and self-worth gets wrapped up in what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for. So even when I do firmly set a boundary and say no, period, I'm still um, sitting with that, like, wow, like, I wonder if somebody else is going to help or, uh, you know, you, you, you start to go through these things that um, might just propel you back into saying yes, 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 and then lead to compassion fatigue and potentially burnout. So how, how do we challenge those kind of thoughts around, like, I always have to be doing something to be valuable? Because I think that leads to people's burnout. Yeah. Um, very valid and and very common. I think, um, I think first, you know, accepting that the first time you do say no, not the first time, the first few times that you, you say no, um, the guilt is going to come. It's, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel super painful because you're, you're naturally a helper. You're used to giving, you're used to being there for people. So we're not going to undo this overnight. You know, we're talking about years of a behavior that we're trying to, you know, undo and unlearn. And it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. Like you don't have to just be like, I'm saying no to everything, but just really taking, you know, taking a pause before saying yes you know, when, when there is a request or something happens, you know, taking a pause, how is this going to affect my future self? If I say yes to this, um, am I, am I okay with, with that? Am I okay with sacrificing that? And I, I think sometimes we have to get into our own heads and, and challenge, you know, these thoughts, you know, what are the benefits and consequences, the short and long-term benefits and consequences of me, you know, accepting this? Am I doing this because this is something I'm truly connected to? Or am I doing this because I just, I feel obligated. It's something that I have to. And when thinking about it through, or looking at it through those two lenses, um, you you even get a different feel for it. Um, and you're absolutely right. Um, when we When we have been doing something for a long time and we're passionate about it, it's so easy for us to over identify with this role. That's why I go back to values. Um, we really have to um, get connected to those values. And, you know, I use myself for an example. Um, my values are, you know, family, flexibility, freedom, health and wellness. You know, those are just some examples. So if what I'm doing does not connect with those is as hard as it is for, for me to say no. And I've had to say no to some some really um tough requests, some it was really tough for me to say no to some requests recently. But um, I know it would have been harder for me to accept it, knowing that it wasn't connected to my values and just understanding how I was going to feel the day of when it was time for me to deliver and fulfill. That wouldn't be fair to the person expecting me and it wouldn't be fair to me or my family. So I think taking that pause instead of being so in such in a rush to just, you know, say yes and, and be there and making sure that you're at people's beck and call and really asking yourself, you know, those questions and giving yourself space to, you know, come up with some honest answers will go a long way and just accept that it's there's no matter which strategy we use, it's not going to take the the discomfort away. Mm, I love that, Sharice. And, and as you were talking, it made me think of like one of the things that I probably still use. I don't know. if I don't think I use it as much, but whenever people would try to encourage me or just give me this this feedback and information that you just gave, I'd be like, 
you know, my default response is like, but this is my calling, right? Like this is, this is what God called me to do. Like, and it, and I, it's, it, right. It's like a, I don't want to say a shield or an excuse, but it's all it, it, right. It's like the automatic response of like, you don't understand. Like this is, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for the ancestors. It's like, it's, it's some kind of way to kind of, for me at least, keep me in that space of of comfort like the comfortable response of not having to draw the boundaries of letting go of the guilt and shame of not having to be feeling like i have to be everything to everybody so i i guess my question is how do you um how can we respond to people um whenever you know those kind of things are are said or or how can we respond to ourselves whenever we start to go down that line of thinking like, but this is my calling. This is what I was created to do. And I got to go. If it takes 80, 90, a hundred hours a week of work, then that's what I'm going to do. How do we challenge that line of thinking? So um, how has that been working for you so far? I mean, that's my first question. You know, I, I think we need to, and we can ask ourselves that, you know, that's, that's a form of, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy where we are challenging those thoughts where we're going with those thoughts, because I don't, I don't think there's a, um, it doesn't have to be either, or, you know, either I'm, I'm going to be this social justice activist and really help my people, or I'm going to step back and not do it at all. You, you can do it and have boundaries and, and actually having boundaries will be more beneficial to you and your community because when you if you have boundaries when you show up people are going to get the best of you but if you don't have boundaries you're going to be exhausted you're going to be irritated and the type of work that you're doing like you're putting your life in danger if you're showing up burned out you know because when you're you're burned out you're exhausted you're irritable you're easily triggered and you you might not be thinking clearly so when we're exhausted and we're burned out so now we're more in our um in survival more in survival mode like we're in that emotional part of the brain so we're not even thinking logically so you're you're really um you're a huge liability in that sense wow I don't know if you've seen this before, Sharice, but there's some videos out there um, on, on YouTube that show like demonstrations of activists and community leaders. And now in certain cities, they're starting to actually deploy social workers to these demonstrations. So basically, um, it's like knowing that some of the activists and advocates are going to need that support in real time to kind of all right, let's 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 help you. Um, de-escalate, uh, yeah. yeah, like de-escalate in that moment. So I, I just I, I wanted to put that out there because I think that's really, really, really powerful. Um, and as, as you I want to go back to how I felt when you said, uh, how's that? How's that go? What do you say? How's that working? How's for that you? working for you? Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know if you were specifically asking it to me, but I kind of like just hearing it was like it made me think like about like, how is it working for me? And I'm like. It wasn't like I was tired constantly. I was irritable. Um, my diet was not what it needed to be. My relate, my close, intimate relationships with people that I love were not healthy. Um, and I thought I was excelling at work, but I was still like, again, performing at like 75% of my capacity because I was like spreading myself so thin. But just when you... When you ask that question, 
it's not a confrontational question, but it is one that require. It, it made me be like, oh, like you got to reflect on this. Like you have to mm-hmm. think about this, right? So it wasn't. I didn't. Um, again, I don't know if you were specifically asking it to me or just posing it, but I didn't feel attacked when you were asking it, and I think that uh, becomes part of the challenge mm-hmm. is that some people feel like. Oh, so you now you are you questioning me and my like commitment to the work? Like, are you trying to challenge where I am with why I'm doing it? And it can easily get misinterpreted okay. as yeah. an when it when that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely it's about the delivery, and it has to come from a place of concern. You know, like you're 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 showing up, and you you do you you have such a a commitment, you know, like what did they say about how loyalty can can be our best and worst quality, you know, just depending on, you know, who we're giving it to and how we're using it and when we're using it. Absolutely. So, Sharice, could you talk a little bit more about you started to talk about like values and mm-hmm. boundary setting. Can you talk a little bit more about um, some, some maybe some more tools and strategies that folks can actually use? Um, either uh, before they're actually out out in, in, in the streets advocating and doing the work, whether they're at home, uh, wh- wherever they may be, just some kind of tools and strategies that we could use to um, mitigate compassion fatigue and burnout as much as we possibly can. So something that I think would, would be, be really helpful is um, – almost like uh, in the moment self-care. So it's not just about in the moment. I'm looking at it as a cycle. So if you're able to prepare, like you know what the day brings or you you know what most of your days are like. So from the time you wake up in the morning, you're just being intentional. So it's, it's, it's about being intentional about every moment of your day, just being in that moment. So, you know, when you're waking up, you're, you're just being mindful of your morning, like what can you do to make sure, cause your stress response system is always activated because of the work you do. So your, your baseline is probably up here most of the time. So we wanna be more intentional about activating that relaxation response uh, system. So when you're waking up and just even being mindful of the calls you take, um, if social media is a trigger, you know, just being mindful of not doing things that will just, activate that relaxation response. So, you know, if you're waking up, I don't, if meditation is your thing, waking up and, and doing that, if, if exercise or some type of movement is your thing, making sure you do that. If you know you need to fuel, making sure that you're eating a full um, balanced meal. If, you know, there's a, a person who's supportive or you have a supportive group, making sure you start the day. So just being mindful about how you're, you're starting to the day. Now, you know, for me, for me personally, with my line of work, I'm, I try to be very intentional about taking calls, you know, first thing in the day, because it's, it's really hard for me to try to be, you know, therapist in my personal life. And then I got to, you know, see clients, run a business, do workshops. So it's like, if I can cannot do that, then I'm, I'm just going to really put a boundary around that. So just being intentional about, you know, how you're how you're starting that day. So this is before you're going into, you know, your work or what can possibly be triggering, which you're not going to get away from. You know, if you're an activist, you're a helping professional, your work is triggering. You, it, it can be triggering. It can be dangerous. So understanding that we want to make sure we're starting off with things to uh, activate our relaxation response system. So now while you're in it, we want to make sure that we are 
aware of our of our bodies. We're aware of what's triggering us. So we we want to try to be grounded. If you find yourself um, getting, uh, I guess, um, escalated or, or triggered, you you know because you start breathing a little bit heavier. Your heart reaches your heart your heart starts beating a little faster. Maybe your body temperature changes. You get a little bit warmer. Your your stomach starts hurting. You, you get in body pain. So you know, okay. I'm getting a little triggered. I'm getting hot. I, I don't feel right. So can I do some deep breathing in a moment or, you know, can I drink some water or um, can I think of a calm place? What, what can I do to bring myself to the present? I'm right here right now. It's 1233 p.m. on Thursday afternoon. I'm safe in this moment. So when you're in that moment, doing things to ground you and bring you in that moment, even if it's focusing on a time of day. If it's focusing on, you know, things around you, if it's focusing on nature, just something to bring you in the moment. And then afterwards, and I I think afterwards and the rest of the day are also very important because a lot happens when you're like actually in that moment, when you're in the trauma, you want to make sure you are doing things to release it. You know, don't go home and go to sleep. And I know we want to because we're exhausted, but self-care is work. So this might mean that you're going to, um, you know, journal. And it doesn't mean like a diary entry, but maybe you just write down some intense emotions that you're feeling in a moment. Are you angry? Are you frustrated? You know, are you exhausted? Are you irritated? Are you disappointed? What are these emotions? You know, take about a minute to write all of these emotions down and then do some deep breathing, do some walking around. Like we, we have to get, we have to get these out. We cannot keep these in because this buildup is, is what leads to compassion fatigue, burnout, anxiety, depression, because it's, you know, it's days, years, if not decades of, um, of build out that we're just keeping in. This stress has to be metabolized and doing some type of movement. You know, it can be taking a walk. It can be a stretch. If you're a high intensity person, do a hit workout. If you want to go for a run, do that, but something to make sure that you're moving that stress throughout the body and, you know, just reflect on, you know, what went well, you know, you got through it, you're here, you know, just visualize how you were able to get through that. You were able to help some people. And um, if you do need to, you know, write down some, some worry thoughts or some things that didn't, you know, go right or the way you expect it, just put a time limit on that and um, commit to when you're going to let that go. So just, you know, to recap, you know, at the beginning of the day, doing things to activate that relaxation response, you know, setting boundaries around who you're talking to, you know, what you can do to, to make your body feel at peace at a safe place. When you're in that moment, grounding yourself so that you can be present afterwards, doing things to, to make sure that you're releasing it. Thank you for that, Sharice. I just wanted to call attention to um, Andrea. I hope I'm saying your name right. Andrea, Andrea Coleman. Thank you uh, for acknowledging the mental trauma that exists in us. Yes, thank you for acknowledging the mental trauma that exists in us. Thank you for sharing and, and being here with us. Um, we appreciate you. So, and, and Sharice, uh, uh, every time you say something, I think of um, it. It, may, it makes me think of something else, right? Oh, and I think okay. one of the one of the main challenges that. Um, I see and I've experienced with myself personally mm-hmm. and with a lot of the folks that we work with in the community is that folks say, I don't have time, right? Like they're it's like, mm-hmm. I, I can recall like multiple conversations where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm kind of 
it kind of becomes like a back and forth with people. You're exploring like, well, what about this? Or have you thought about that? And it's just like, you know, I got kids and I got jobs and I'm out in the streets. And so like, again, I think it's one of those narratives that we can create and we latch onto that makes us believe that we don't have time. Um, mm-hmm. If you have any, any kind of uh, advice or recommendation on how to how to like challenge those thoughts and how to be how to be intentional, I think you you started to speak to it, but how to be intentional about opening up opportunities to have time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very common one. You know, sometimes it, you know, there's 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. Sometimes we might feel like we need 25, eight, if not more. Um, And I know time management is a thing, but I'm, I'm, I've started to think more about energy management. It's where we're putting our energy that sucks or if it's sucking our energy, we don't have energy, then no, there's not going to be any time. So I think we need to be mindful about what we're giving our energy to. I know all of us here are on social social media because if you're on social media, if you're watching us right now. Um, so I would start there. How much time are you, are you spending on social media? You know, the average scroller, you know, it's like I read somewhere maybe three hours a day. So three hours a day, that's 21 hours a week. What if you cut that in half? So now that gives you like 10 and a half, 11 hours that you could have. Even if you cut it in a quarter, you, you we found five hours. It's just like saving money. We can almost always find if we do an inventory, we can we can find some money. We can find some time. So, you know, five hours. So we just found five hours. Um I'm not going to ask anybody to, you know, to, to start by devoting five hours to, to self-care if it's something that you, you haven't done because it, it might not be sustainable. You might quit because it's, it's not something that you're used to. But we got to start small. I just wanted to give the example of we can find time if we do an inventory on the things that we are devoting a lot of time to that that might actually be, um, you know, time wasted, not really time invested. So even if you you start small by, you know, five minutes a day uh, for seven days, non-negotiable self-care activity. Um, I talk about this a lot and I, I think it applies to no matter what work you're doing for five minutes every day. This is what I am going to do for me, regardless of what's going on, you know, whether it's in the morning, if it's in the middle of your day or if it's at the end of the day, you know, if you. If it's the kids and your house is just full, that might mean I'm going to sit in my bathroom and and lock the door and turn some calming music on my phone for five minutes. You know, that could be self-care. So we we just have to start small. It doesn't have to be this, you know, lavish, you know, spa day. You know, that sounds great, but we don't have to start there. But just getting into the practice of doing something for yourself and just notice what it feels like as you you committed that five minutes to just you. Like there was no one else included in that time, but you noticed what did that feel like? You know, did you feel selfish? Did it feel good? And be honest about, you know, how you felt, because I think that'll, that'll help you as you, you go along in your journey and continue to be more intentional about it. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Sharice. And I want to, I want to raise up a few more comments that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Andrea, and again, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing your name, um, said that uh, she has a grandson, 29 years old, who, who has a diagnosis of schizophrenia Mm -hmm. and would Mm -hmm. benefit from hearing this. Um, And Mm -hmm. she shared that he is being forced to be employed, but this Mm -hmm. worry, it worries her. And, And 
with his condi- condition. So I, w- I wanted to um, first thank you um, for sharing that and, yeah. and, and, and lifting, lifting him up in our conversation. Yeah. This makes me think, Sharice, about um, uh, the em- employment situations, yeah. right? Folks, whether uh, we, are, we have a diagnosis or we don't have a diagnosis, and um, I'm looking at it from two different perspectives. One, how we as individuals can advocate for ourselves and our mm-hmm. own balance and well-being when we're trying to navigate those kind of conversations with the employers. And then on the flip side, because right, you being an entrepreneur and an employer as well, like what can we do to better support the needs of folks? Um, so that we can be intentional about not pushing our people to burnout and to having compassion fatigue. So you could, you could either address both or whichever one feels more. So I guess like the last question, can you ask that again? I just want to make sure I'm clear. To yeah, part of um, so and, and again, again, just lifting up um, Andrea's comment about her son, like as, as an employer, mm-hmm believe and I believe as a mental health advocate that employers should be doing we should be doing everything within our power to to ensure that the people who work with us on our teams are uh, are having time for self-care having yeah. time for balance and we're not just you know there's one thing to hold folks accountable for getting their job done <clears throat> but it's another thing to find that balance and create that balance for them um, I like for example, I tell everybody on our team, like, did, did you do your hour of self-care per week? Like at work, like you're going to get paid for that hour. And I am recommending that you use an hour of your work week for self-care. And sometimes you got to have to remind folks. Sometimes I, sometimes they have to remind me. Yeah. So not all employers do that. Some employers are like, I pay you to do a job. I don't care what you have going on, like get the job done. And, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm wondering how, from a, yeah. maybe from an, an employer perspective, yeah. how you approach that. Yeah. Cause, and I, I do think, you know, and we're talking about, and we're talking about compassion, fatigue and burnout, they're systemic. So we, I don't think it's fair to just place that burden or that responsibility at the feet of the worker. Like, well, you figure it out, you know, you, do self-care. Like we'll send out these self-care memos, take care of yourself. But that that's so vague. How can we, how can everybody possibly know what that means or even know how to take care of themselves? When I do these workshops and I ask people, what were you taught about self-care? The first thing people say is hygiene. I was taught to have good hygiene. So if as employers were telling people to make sure you take care of yourselves, not everybody's going to know that that means like, okay, so they're, they're giving me permission to, you know, take a mental health day or they are, you know, telling me that it's okay for me to, I can use my lunch break for self-care or what have you. I think as employers, it's very important for us to, um, make sure that our staff understand um, the importance of good self-care and not only talk about it, but we model it. I know at our organization, we're, we're not burning our therapists out by giving them a lot of cases. And, and it's hard because 
We have a waiting list. A lot of people need help right now, but we are not going to overextend our therapists to, to make them burn out or, you know, struggle with compassion fatigue because that's a liability. It's not fair to them and it's not fair to the people that we're helping. So I, I think that's the, the most important um, uh, thing that a, an employer can do is to, to make sure that you are um, modeling it you know, by not uh, by ensuring that your your staff is, is not overextending and we have supervision. So we're, we're checking in, you know, what does that look like for you? What are you doing to take care of yourself? So we're being very specific and just being flexible. Um, yes, we, we have a job to get done. We can do both. We can we can get our job done and we can take care of ourselves and we can understand that you know, every day is not going to be super productive and, and that's OK. The work is still going to get done. Absolutely. And Sharice, I know we're, we're winding down. We got about 15 minutes left. Um, yes, I I know we, we didn't necessarily talk about this. So it's, you could tell me no, if, Mm -hmm. if, uh, you know, you feel like you want to just, uh, kind of not do this, but I know Mm -hmm. you you mentioned modeling different things, um, modeling stuff for our, our employees and then just modeling, modeling this kind of, um, behavior, if you will, these changes for folks, because and to give more context to your earlier comment of like telling people just, hey, practice good self-care. A lot of folks like don't even really understand. Number one, they don't understand what it really means to practice good Mm self-care. And even when we say like, hey, do this thing, people may be uncomfortable, uncomfortable because they've never done that thing before. So I'm just curious if, if, if you have some kind of quick easy um, practice that maybe you'd be willing to, to, to guide us through a, a 30 second, a one minute long, something that folks can kind of walk away, uh, can participate with us on this conversation. And then maybe they can walk away with it. Um, and it, if it's not you doing it or leading it for us, maybe even just saying, well, here's the tool and here's how you do it. Um, so okay. So I'm wondering, like, are you asking like what we do with our staff or you're asking for a tool in general? Like more more general. So for oh, okay. Just, okay. Uh, it, it could be for just a general person. So it could be for uh, an, an activist or somebody who's watching or it could be for somebody who's an employer who wants to implement it with their people. But, but uh, you know, whether it is a certain mindfulness technique or some kind of meditative thing or something like that so that folks can say, OK, I. I actually learned this thing and now I'm going to try to implement it myself. Okay. Yeah. I I can lead a a meditative practice. I'm okay with that. All right. So I'll just ask everybody just to make sure you're sitting in a seat. And if you are comfortable, just go ahead and close your eyes. If not, you can keep them open with a softened gaze. And just allow yourself to get into your body. Feel the ground under your feet. Feel your body in your seat. And just notice your breath. You're not judging it. You're just noticing the rhythm of your breath. Is it smooth? Is it rigid? Is it fast? Is it slow? Just noticing your breath. 
Now we're going to bring attention to the temperature in your body. Is it warm? Is it hot? Is it humid? Or is it cool? Just noticing the temperature in your body. You're just being an observer. You're not judging or trying to change anything. Now we're going to do a scan of your body, looking for areas of tension. Is there a difference between your lower body and your upper body, your right side and your left side? What do you notice? Just being an observer. Now we're going to bring awareness to your heart and feel free to place your hand over your heart if that feels safe. And just notice the rhythm of your heartbeat. Is it fast? Is it slow? Is this the normal rhythm of your heart? Just noticing. Now we're going to bring attention to your face. Bringing awareness to your jaws. Are they clenched? Are they relaxed? The position of your mouth, your nose, your eyes, your eyebrows. Are they raised? Are they relaxed? Just noticing the position on your face. Okay. Remembering to breathe. When you're ready, you can open your eyes and just bring your awareness back to the room around you and wiggle your feet, your hands, your arms to kind of wake up those muscles. Um, and welcome back. And that's a, that's a brief body scan. Um, and that's a great way to scan for areas of arousal because when we get stressed, it starts in our body. We carry our stress in our body. The, the concept the body keeps the score is, is very, very true. It, it happens in our body, but if we're so busy and we're not being mindful and we're, we're not aware, we'll miss it. We won't know. And then it can develop into something else. But if we're, if we're doing that regularly and you can do a body scan, Anyway, that's just one way. 
and we're noticing areas like, okay, I think my shoulders are holding some tension. So that's information. When you find yourself in a situation, you'll remember, oh, my shoulders are tense. What's going on? Maybe I need to slow down here. Do I need to, you know, kind of um, reel myself back in? So that's a body scan just to, to give you some awareness and information about where you may be holding tension and for areas of arousal. Thank you for doing that on the spot, Sharice. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't want to ask because I'm like, well, we didn't talk about it ahead of time. <laughs> I know you always have something in your in your, your toolbox. And I, I want to say that I, I can just imagine or I can only imagine what it would be like for folks, for activists, like when, I, when, we're, when we're marching, when we're demonstrating, <laughs> when we're boots on the ground. And if we all were to do that before, like getting into that work, like what I'm just wondering what kind of energy that would bring, mm. to, you know, before, after, you know, like I think it's really powerful because I mean, even in this moment, like I didn't even know I didn't know that I was tense. You know what yeah. I mean? We just, Most of us don't. Mm hmm. I think I, I know I know I'm willing to go out on a limb and say I know it would make a difference. Um, it would even make a difference in, in the schools. I've, I've done trauma informed training, you know, for schools to get school officials on board with, you know, how how kids are how kids are being um, approached when they're having a hard time. You know, so in, instead of, you know, using you know, the, the, the old school traditional discipline approach where we're, you know, we're sending them out the classroom. And if they're still, you know, in school suspension or out school suspension, what if we started to be more intentional? Like first thing in the morning, we do some type of math on this practice. So it teaches them how to get into their body and to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Sharice, before we wrap up, um, before we give you a chance to um, kind of give your final thoughts, there's one last question um, in the comments. Um, and Andrea has been with us, engaged yeah, with us. Thank you. We appreciate you. She says, uh, how do you even present to an employer uh, that you have mental illness? So if you have any advice on that. Mm, I think that... Um, that's a really tough one because I, I think you have to know your audience. And I, I think number one, it's it's like, what are you, I'm always looking at the outcome of the, of the, the situation. What are you hoping to, to get out of it? Like, are you hoping for some um, compassion? Or are you hoping for some accommodations? Uh, what is the reason that you would be, be sharing this information? Mm-hmm. You know, because and, 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 it's, and it's hard because I wish as a society we can fully make that transition to where we viewed a mental health condition the same way we do a physical medical condition, you know, like, you know, diabetes or, you know, cardiovascular or COPD. They're all conditions, but there's still this huge stigma around mental health. You know, all the misconceptions. Oh, it's all in your head. It's not that serious. Just get over it. You know, it's not something you can will your way out. It is a it is it is it is part of a medical um, diagnosis. Um, So really thinking about what you're what you're hoping to get out of um, that conversation by presenting to your employer. And I'm 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 always a fan of um documentation beats conversation. So you might want to consult with your doctor 
and have that paperwork presented to your employer because sometimes unfortunately it's like this sometimes you know coming from the em- employee it's it doesn't hold as much weight they're they're going to want documentation I like that Sharice documentation beats conversation so when you can give that employer something tangible and that employer now knows there is a paper trail that is that is um, validating. But they right? have to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Now they have to do something great. Yeah. Great recommendation. Um, fi- final thoughts, final words you want to share with folks. You want to tell us what you're doing, where to follow you. Any final thoughts you have? Yeah. Um, just, you know, just remember all, all of the, the kindness, compassion, support and energy and efforts that, you all are pouring out into the community. We're we're definitely grateful, but we'll be even more grateful if you are able to turn that inward and pour it into you. Because when you're pouring it into you, you are going to um, you're going to feel better, and you'll be able to to give more. Because we don't want to take that away from anyone. Because that that that's what makes you um, who you are. That's what makes you great. And as, as far as um, what I'm, I'm doing, you know, we're, we're still running hand in hand counseling services, workshops. Um, I, 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 I practice what I preach and I say no to things and I set those boundaries. Um, but if you'd like to follow me uh, across all social media platforms, Sharice Nance, my name, S-H-A-R-I-S-E-N-A-N-C-E. Uh, we send weekly emails out through our um through our website. So if you want to get on our mailing list, um, vitaminchealing.com and you will subscribe to our, our weekly self-care um, emails that we send out on Wednesdays. And you'll also get any updates and specials that are going on. And if you are, you know, working for or with an organization or you're leading an organization and you believe that um, your organization could could benefit from a compassion fatigue workshop or, you know, a take a pause mindfulness series, please, you know, reach out to us at info at vitamin C healing dot com. Thank you, Sharice. Thanks mm-hmm. for making time uh, for walking us through that body scan on the fly. I didn't know how much I needed that. So I'm yeah. sure other people benefited from it. Uh, We appreciate you. And I I hope you get to take care of yourself, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Well, thanks, y'all, for joining us. Um, Next week is the final On Tilt for Mental Health Awareness Month. So we do have some special guests that will be joining us next week to continue this conversation. Um, Just because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, it's going to end. It doesn't mean that we have to stop focusing on our mental health. So let's make mental health awareness happen every single day, y'all. So we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And we'll see you next week. Yep.